You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Thanks for joining me for another Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Really appreciate all of you joining us. If you haven't done so, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please do so. Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and please rate and review the show. And, of course, you can find all of our programming, CannabisRadio.com. Let's get right to our guest. My next guest is an East Harlem native who has been supported through the New York Social Equity Cannabis Investment Fund to receive a license to open up what it was the eighth licensed dispensary in New York State, the fifth in New York City. It's Days Cannabis, and I'm here with the co-founder of Days Cannabis, Keyshawn Warner. Keyshawn, thanks for being on with us. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. A wonderful. I, I really am amazed by your story. Now, on the program, either with Blunt Business or Grassroots Marketing that I host, we constantly talked about social equity, the CAURDs, the Conditional Adult Use uh, retail licenses, the social equity grants, the programs that are out there. But more importantly, when it comes to social equity, obviously, you know, we under, you know, definitely can understand where New York has been very aggressive on trying to create social equity for, you know, un- disenfranchised people of color. But one of the areas I keep talking about over and over, and if, if it's not the Justice Foundation, if it's not, you know, other advocates out there in the space, when social equity has to be talked about, we have to hear more about legacy operators being a part, being able to be in the process and come into the space. And you did such an amazing job into this. And uh, Insider.com did a great job of explaining what you went through. So being in East Harlem, there was obviously, there was, you know, drugs being pushed around in the neighborhoods like yours. And on top of that, you then got into the process of selling. But then after an arrest, and then you came out, you looked to Colorado and you went to Breckenridge and being one of the first states to go ahead and legalize cannabis, you wanted to go there and get straight to the dispensary and you decided, I'm going to go in there and start working on it. It's like, this is where getting the chance to work in legalized cannabis, eventually that was the idea what you wanted to do. And you saw what it was looking like and you said that there's a lot of money that can be made for these kind of, for be able to get the license, to be able to put these side operations up. So you got the chance to do it. You did it during the middle of the pandemic, but after all was said and done, you now have several stores open up. Holyoke, Massachusetts, which is just 
out, outside of the uh, central city of Springfield. So it's what, about an hour and a half west of Boston, half an hour north of Hartford. You have that in place. And now you also have the store in New York City and Union Square. Talk to me about really quickly now, fast forward, the fact of the process of getting here and, you know, how difficult it was for you. For those legacy operators that are also looking to go ahead and say, is it worth it to get into the space and go legal after what happened before? Because we already know legacy operators. I mean, understand of the business, understand the distribution, understand of the product. More than more than anybody else that could even come to the space. Let's be honest, even more than MSOs. Talk to me about what you would say to those legacy operators now that you took this journey and you look, look where you are today. Yeah, you know what? You, you've touched every point that everything you said is accurate. And what I've been telling you know, a lot of people I know who are legacy operators for the past couple of years, once New York you know, decided to go ahead and legalize is it's time now to you know probably pivot operations, learn what the requirements are you know, for legalization and begin to, you know, position yourself that way. You know, a lot of, I know, you know a lot of people who had, you know, some form of storefront or, you know, they were, you know, however they were located to, you know, run their business. Um, you know, when the, when the state came out and said, you know, we want to legalize anybody who was, who has currently been operating in the legacy market may need to stop operations, get the license and then move forward legally. You know, I spread that word to uh, amongst all the of the people who I know because I realize now that you know you cannot fight the waves of you know policy that are happening out in the world. You can only adjust to it and and work within that framework. And so, you know, my suggestion was stop all your operations. You know, um, set yourself up and position yourself to follow the the regulations and get in the game. Because at the end of the day, is 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 a win-win. You're no longer having to look over your back for you know to run your business. Um, you can legitimize the money now that you're making in your business, and ultimately, you have an, uh, an ability now through the vehicle to get into an industry that can you know change the future of your family and your community. And so, you know, that was always my suggestion. You know, this is what's happening. These are the ties that are coming. You know. You know, like it or not, depending on where you are in the in the in the in the, in the market, le- legalization is coming. It's a good thing, and now it's time to pivot to make it happen. On top of that, when there is such a rampant illicit market that has come to light, with thousands upon thousands of uh, illicit operators down in the space in New York City alone, and regardless of the fact of how many, you know, pounds of cannabis that are seized, and how many millions of dollars worth of street value there are on the street. You have to compete against that, and it's it's an unfair battle because you understand what, what the advantage those illicit operators have. But this is why it's more important than ever to have more operators like yourself that understand that space with trust and integrity towards the neighborhoods that you're serving. They're going to come to you because you're going to give quality. You're going to have quality product. You you have a good storefront. You got good locations. You're doing it right. And these other operators, we don't know where their their plants are coming from. We don't know what's going to be in it. It could be tainted. It could have anything in it. You're doing it the right way. You made the change to go ahead and go legal, but the illicit operators are still able to go and go in. And no matter what, okay, ten, twenty thousand dollar fines aren't aren't enough of a penalty. So when you look at that, 
while you have this chance in New York State now, the dispensary's open, what do you say about those illicit operations right now? I mean, we know law enforcement's trying to do their best to crack down, but what should law enforcement and what should the government be doing more to stop it? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy. And here's what I've been telling people recently, my opinion, right? Like you said, there are a number of illicit stores open in New York City. Yeah. But I want to I want to you know take the time to draw a line and distinguish the legacy operators from who we consider now as illicit operators. Right. And what that really means. Legacy operators you know are, are us people who brought and looked to bring a quality product into the community that we ourselves also consume. So, you know, if most people who you know become a legacy operator, like myself, kind of started from you know, I was I would consume amongst my friends and I end up becoming the one who will go out and source the good products and bring it back to my friends. And it started just from something that innocent as that. And so, you know, with that being said, you obviously are looking for the best product for yourself and for your friends. You're not going to sell your friends uh, and or consume something yourself that you know is definitely going to be harmful. Cannabis is a plant that comes from the ground is natural. And so, you know, it's shared amongst friends in an environment in, in that capacity. Right. The illegal illicit operators that we're talking about now, are people who just had, who had, you know, enough money to get a storefront in New York City and go out and, you know, sell a product. They don't care about where the product comes from. They don't care about, you know, the the contents of that product they just to them is just a product that they're selling as opposed to us who are legacy who you know the product is not just a product it was a plant something that we share with our friends and family and so you know that is a big the big difference now how do you combat it is you know the, there are so many storefronts in the city that are open it's hard to close them all at one time like you said because of manpower but now that you know what the lawsuit that happened in New York and now the application process being open to everybody. I know for a fact that the large majority of those illicit operators are going to put in for an application. Right. Which is basically easy. The city can, before they go out and dole out approvals for applications, send their workers out, go look at, they got these addresses that that will come in with these applications to send somebody out. And and, right. and and check out what do you, what are they current what are they currently doing now how are they currently operating and if these locations are currently operating as a legal storefront selling illegal cannabis don't approve the license and then now they have the list to go out now and afterwards go ahead and do the enforcement and to me that makes the most sense I think it's the most practical knowing that the enforcement arm for the state is not that broad on this. They don't have the manpower to, to get out on the floor, on the grounds and just shut down everything. They've tried to, they've attempted, but it's just a, a daunting number right now. And so to me, as you know, what things are currently, I think that's the best and easiest way that the state can identify those illegal illicit operators out there and get rid of them. The profile of a legacy operator, I'm going to take my example, a friend of mine that I've known almost 30 years. Now he would serve people in the suburbs rich affluent neighborhoods right and the thing is for him he started with somebody he had was a good supplier and you know the product you would get he also knew how to go ahead and weigh out he might put something into the mix of whatever flour he's putting out that they're going to sell ounces whatever it was this is back when like an oh an ounce was what 80 80 an ounce like this is going back you know in the 90s right and the days. thing for him was 
you know, he would even put a little more like a little bit of rags and things like that. He would kind of put something else into the mix and still be able to sell at top price. But that was also because he was trying to make as much money as he could. Once he got better, you know, the buds were better. The colors were better. He was getting better product he could put out. But then the thing was, he wanted to control the supply. He started growing. He bought, he had enough money to buy a house, garage it, make a greenhouse in it, and grow plants out in the sticks, you know, 30 miles away, you know, where it was just like, you know, neighborhoods that were just like dirt roads and all. And it's like, nobody knows what's going on back there. And he was doing that. And then once Arizona went legal, he found out and got an opportunity to go and go into farming cannabis in Arizona once they got the medical uh, the medical use was allowed. And he's been there ever since. Now he's just waiting for adult use and he'll get the dispensary soon enough. But that's what he did because it wasn't just selling the product. He wanted to sell products that was going to be that people were going to keep. It was just like an honest businessman. You want to keep selling product that people are going to keep coming back to you for because, you know, if it's coming from you, it's trusted. It's it's legitimate. And not only did you want to just not make the money of it, you want to go ahead and learn how it's made. You want to be part of the whole process. Would that be a parallel to what you did? That's exactly what I did. And that, you know, that that's that was you no know, my early, early onset into it. Like your friend, you know, it was just, you know, something that we did for fun and we did amongst friends. But, you know, the more you get into it and you start to, you know, take the science behind it serious, you know, because at the end of the day, is 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 botany, you know, it's plant life. You, you learn about plant sciences. You know what soils work you know live soil as opposed to regular soil you know right. using organic means to grow the best possible product and, and that's exactly how my foray started you know once i you know early on it was of course it was just for the feel good fun and how it made you feel amongst your friends right. but like you said that you know you get into it and it's a journey that you take because you want to understand the flower you see how it feels what you know how it what it what it smells like you know, what are the proper organic ingredients that will grow the best flower that's going to be the healthiest and won't, you know, cause you, it won't be like harsh smoke and stuff like that. So you, you, you get into this, it becomes a life science and you really, people will really take to the plant and its benefits and the fact that it is going to be consumed by friends and family. Like you said, that trust, that trust factor is there. And, and, you know, you want to assure that you're giving the best possible quality product to your friends and family. And then those beyond your friends and family who have become trusted, you know, customers of yours, that's, that's the bread and butter. And the main principle of, you know, what legacy operators were trying to do out there. And that's exactly how, you know, was my mindset. I'm here with Keyshawn Warner, the co-founder of Days Cannabis. Stay tuned. We have more blunt business coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. 
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Keyshawn Warner, the co-founder of Days Cannabis. You think about it, there, you know, it's what you're going through and what, what you do with, with your business because the business is the way you operate it, the people you're going to bring on board, what you're going to do to market and promote the business. I look at that as more of a deal that I think more people would pay attention to if they want to go and know where to go. Because, I mean, it's like anybody. Like It's like the same idea of somebody as a small business owner that starts a food truck. The food's really good. They really take your time into it. Find a freestanding restaurant, open up chains, and they become an entrepreneur just like that. It's the same concept. It shouldn't matter that the fact is, okay, you're playing with the rules the way it was at the time. It was illegal then. It's not now. But it doesn't mean you change anything about your business structure. It's still, you can do more now because it's legal. And you're doing it the right way. This is why I want more legacy operators to be able to take advantage of social equity. What I want to ask you now is about the process to get there. Because I know in some of this, there's been a lot being said about, you know, training programs. There was a 10-week program that was put out in New York State to get people, to, for those that, including legacy operators, to get acclimated into social equity. And, you know, there's been some detractors as to how well that has really worked and if it's really an on-ramp for legacy operators to get to that CAURD. Do you know anything about that? Uh, it's a workforce initiative. It, can you tell me anything about any anybody you know that might have gone that route? And if you think what's being given by the government for the transition to be made, does it work for what you needed to do and for others like you to be able to make it into the getting the specialties and getting a whole business set up in cannabis? Well, I'll tell you from my, from my personal point of view, what the state... Uh, attempted to do and what they have actually done for me, you know, several like me in my position yeah. through the, the the card program has actually worked and is they've done a great job from the social equity aspect. I'll draw you a parallel. Massachusetts, which was one of the which was is the first state on the East Coast to go recreation back in 2018. They also started initially with you know a social equity program where they allowed they made a pathway for you know applicants from socially impacted areas to get a heads up, a leg up in the in the, in the industry, which is great. However, it's not a, just enough to get a leg up because you know there are so many other components that come to establishing a cannabis, a legal cannabis business before you even get to selling any weed. That now is daunting for most people who come from these areas, you know, for several reasons. The main thing is you no know, financial resources. It's one no. thing to get the license and say, okay, you've got the heads up, the leg up over the rest of the, the, the market. However, how do you get from getting your application, getting your license to getting your doors open, your storefront? That takes a lot of finances. And right now, because of, you know, cannabis is still federally illegal, you cannot get loans from your traditional means. So it's all crowdfunded, friends, family, or whatever you can source fi- financing from. New York came in and said, not only are we going to create this social equity program, not only are we going to give you, you know, a couple, uh, uh, a head start on the, on the major, major episodes, they also went and tried, though, they sourced funds 
to give you no know, very low uh, interest rates to you no know, people like myself. And on top of that, now not only did they provide the finances, they also helped to provide and put in other services that are um, very important to getting you know from from your licensing to the, the day you get to open your door. For instance, I've opened other businesses on my own, and at those times I've had to be the general contractor. I've had to be my own lawyer. I've had to you know do painting. I've had to, you know, do the marketing. And then after that, also hire, train, and then run the business. New York came in, they was able to establish a fund to provide finances. And they surrounded me with a team of services who would be able to take on and handle other tasks professionally that I would have had to go out and hire those same services or find a way to get it done myself. And so New York came in, they provided the program, they provided funds and the ancillary uh, professionals around me to help, you know, expedite and get everything done that's needed. And so in that manner, I felt like New York, you know, they tried to do it the best way possible before the lawsuits came in and kind of like, you no know, gutted that whole program. Now, from some of the early dispensaries that were opening up to get started, there was a lot of issues when it came to, for those that get the social equity grants, they're able to go and get the funding, able to get the licensing, get the application, get the paperwork done. The one that we've also been talking about a lot is for those that are going to get the licenses and are they going to be able to get what they need after that initial funding to be able to get the operations up and going and sustain. So this is the difference where I'm talking about where there might be those that get social equity licenses, never been in the space before, but because it's an underrepresentation, somebody's going to get that license because, well, you know, you're in an underrepresented community. We're going to give you this chance because you apply. But this is where the difference between legacy operators and those that are that you know might be also underrepresented in the same way, but don't have the business acumen to be able to go forward. Because in your own case, you made the point. Uh, you spoke at a Q and A, and I'm taking this from KayaPush.com about advice for anyone applying for a license. You said, "quote." Hire the experts to help you get to the paperwork. If you don't have the means to hire experts, speak to friends who may have those skills to help you out. If you just can't get help, just take your time. There's no need to rush. The market's still brand new. It is going to grow, but the paperwork is what trips everybody up. So if you don't get it right the first time, they'll kick it back. And then it gets more frustrating. They'll prolong the process. Seek whatever free resources that you can. There's a lot of free resources out there. Now, with that, there was the issues about the inspection process, the time of being able to get the dispensaries open, doing it through a soft opening, then having to close back down for more inspections and then be able to go ahead and have an actual launch of the dispensary. These kind of stories you've heard about. But then the other thing we've heard is that, you know, from your own case, you went through one of the first four people in this here to be granted a license in Manhattan. And so far, I'm taking from Afrotech.com, the story about how your location so far in its first year has already generated over a million dollars, projected $5 million next year, 2024. So you have the plan down right. You, as a business person, you know how to get the business up and exponentially grow it and open up new dispensaries. You already have another one in uh, Massachusetts we're going to talk about in a second. I'll bring that up. But by doing all that and having that route, is this something where you have, well, since you've been able to successfully go through the process and you're a successful businessman now with this, these dispensaries you've opened up with Days Cannabis, have you gotten a lot of 
a lot of feedback? Have you gotten a lot of people that were looking for your consultation, for your guidance as to what you did for some of these other people that are gaining licenses? Absolutely. I, I, people contact me, you know, daily just to, you know, pick my brain and, you know, try to glean some information that'll help them out. Uh, because it's a daunting process. I actually was at a grand opening for another dispenser that just opened up the other day uh, and talking to the owners, I was congratulating them on you no know, finally getting to that point where their doors is open, they can you know, start seeing customers. And you know, they told me in confidence that I was their motivation. Once they saw that I was able to get the store open and running and, act and, and active, they felt that it could be done because of you know, all of the challenges that like you just ex expressed that we all faced, but you know, it, it was able to get done. And then, you know, the fact that I have some experience beyond just you know, now opening the store in, in New York City, um, I've definitely been reached out to a variety of people, reached out to from a variety of people, including those who are currently open, those who are trying to open, and those who are looking to you know, find a way to, to get into the industry. And so, yeah, I, 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 I field a lot of questions. I try to answer as many as I can because I understand that you know, being in the position that I'm in is a very blessed and privileged position, but also comes with you know, uh, a responsibility that to share the knowledge, to help the others you know, to find their success. So now you initially, it was in August 2021, you opened up Days Cannabis in Holyoke. And after that, Eventually, when New York opened up, going back to our hometown, going back to New York State and New York City and New York State itself, getting the chance to go and open up, you know, you did exactly what the MSOs had to go through, where it's still that process where it would be nice to go ahead and take from Holyoke and be able to go ahead and, you know, take a tractor trailer, take the cannabis and ship it up there to New York State. But now we have to go ahead and open up another cultivation process, a whole setup over again, just like any MSO has to do in every other state. When it came up to putting that process in place to set up a New York state, talk to me about the difficulty of just, you know, you know, even after getting the license, still have to go ahead and recreate and set up shop in New York in a, in a different environment, obviously even with the canvas control board, maybe with some different regulations. Yeah, it's different regulations for sure between New York and Massachusetts. Um, the process of getting set up was not as daunting in New York as it was in Massachusetts. However, it did have its own set of no hurdles, mainly because leading up to the day that I was able to, you know, finally open the doors and begin to take an inventory, let alone, you know, hire and train staff, everything, the whole process was kind of a hurry up and wait type of thing. So it was like, okay, you got your, I got my approval for my license. Then it was like, what's next? and just trying to figure out what happens with the state. Then once, you know, we started getting marching orders, it was, all right, you got to do, you know, all these set of things on this list immediately. You have a short period of time. And then once we got that done and we thought that now we're moving on to the next the next step, it was like, all right, hold on. Now you got to wait. There's some more things that need to happen. So ultimately, from the time that we got the final green light that we were able, we were given our date to open, we really only had, one week to train staff as sufficiently as possible on customer service, train staff to what our, um, our brand identity is. Mm -hmm. And then now, you know, to get 
the staff trained and educated on the products that we're going to be carrying from the vendors, intake all of the inventory, get it in, make sure everything is nice, set up in the computer systems, online presence setup uh, and operating. And then, you know, we operated with brand new staff under the um, under all the lights and glitz of New York City because the fact that we were, you know, one of the first to open, you know, that was a lot of pressure to to be able to manage and then have success. Um, so that for me was the most daunting thing. The the time frame in which everything kind of unrolled and uh, the, the 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 speed at which you know once things were going, it was like you know, light speed is time to run. So with all those things considered, I felt that we had a, a very successful rollout. Uh, with all the uh, the you know the things that we had to endure getting to from getting the license to you know having to you know be able to accept our first customers. Stay tuned. We have more blunt business coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. Welcome back to Blunt Business. And there's a big difference with Holyoke and Union Square Park in New York, just in New York and Manhattan, where you know the the, the foot traffic you're going to get between both stores and the way that you have to set them up, even just to the way that you design the stores. Obviously you have, you know, a very good, very prominent schematic on how you set the stores up and how they look. You know, there's only so much space you could do in a, in a space in New York where you get it, but it's the foot traffic, it's the location, the proximity. That's the biggest thing. But like you've been able to go and experiment on both environments and how to set that up. And when you look at the difference on how you've been all set up, it's like, I love the way the Holyoke location looks, the way you have that, the more room you have, the more what you can do. It's like you said, brand identity, just the, the look, the feel of it. I mean, it's really looks great. But one of those things is, um, if you notice how the difference is in, in what you have in terms of, I guess Holyoke would be a suburban store. Union Square is downtown city, you know, heavy traffic kind of feel. Talk to me about how you're able to go and cater to both of those environments and how you, how you get the market differently to get the traffic in and to be able to go and keep sales pretty consistent and keep growing. Um, uh, so Holyoke actually is uh is in the city actually. Okay. Um, it's just a Free very field. small city, right? Um, in Western Mass. So, um, but what we try to do is we try to standardize you no know, process, uh-huh. so that way it's duplicatable no matter what environment that we're in. So, you know, creating those standard uh, operating procedures is, you know, was we recognize, you know, is the success to major companies, McDonald's, any other franchise, you know, taking the McDonald's model, any McDonald's that you go into, you can expect to look, see, damn near, well, for it to operate almost identical. But then, you know, just as those, you know, like a McDonald's, what we did was we tried to also, um, pattern a little bit of the store to meet the environment that we're in. So what we've done is we try to meet the community where they're at. And right. that way now we begin to you know build out grassroots uh, following and people who understand who we are and our brand begin to you know they'll, fi- they'll find us and we build, begin to build brand uh, brand identity. So that's kind of been like the win model up in Holyoke. That's what we did because at the end of the day, you know, we're moving into someone's community that we want to positively impact. 
And we can't, not that we can't, it's hard to positively impact and embed yourself into a community unless un, unless you get in with that community and begin to know who's who, what the community needs, and you know, align yourself with those things. Uh, and so up in Holyoke, what we did was we went out and uh, happened, we went out and we met and aligned with like local artists, musicians, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, people who are in the nightlife arena, things that are favorable to us that we like and start to make, you no know, make some alliance, uh, some, some um, associations. And that's kind of been like our winning bread and butter to, you know, to our success outside of our normal standard operating procedures. And so I think that's been, that that is our blueprint that worked for us up in Holyoke. And we're going to duplicate that in Union Square. Obviously Union Square, the volume is you know, much greater than Holyoke. So, you know, um, we're going, that, that'll be our test. You know, does our practice now right. also translate to success in a larger, larger market. And so far, you know, it has. And now, from the same people with Kaya Push, they also asked you about, when it comes to staffing, finding great bud tenders that you mentioned was the key to successful business in any industry as your front staff. You cast a wide net to get and find the select few that you brought on board. And once you did, you gave them a three days of bud tender training on site, taught compliance. The brand knew what they are, who you are, brought inventors to talk about products, and then point of sale training and went from there now obviously with your eye i mean uh, how involved were you in the hiring of those butt tenders and you know making uh, the making of a good butt tender that you know that's going to be able to go ahead and push all your product as best as possible and have a really good understanding and you really have the best answers for any questions for those that want to go ahead and try out products and not just push them to a product they might not be aware of but just be able to go ahead and be the best butt tender possible that might be able to go and say, well, they can have a real understanding of what the product is and knowing you know, how it's going to make people somebody feel and be able to go ahead and match the best products to the best customers. Right. And, and then everything you just, you just said is the winning recipe to success, in my opinion. So what we've done is um, we, again, like I said, we try to, set the and create the environment in which we want you know the brand to be identified as and a part of that is not always just customer facing you know it starts with you know employee facing environment you know what type of work environment do we want to create um that's going to be conducive to having success and then the work environment that we will want to work in and so we started with that and you know we during the hiring process we explained that to uh, all of our empl- potential employees, um, as far as finding out the finding the, the client, the workforce, we went out to. I reached out to the um, to Mega Evers College in in Brooklyn, New York, which has the first actual cannabis curriculum, and I reached out to the head of that uh, department, Vicky. I can't remember her name right now. Great, great, great person. And I said, hey, listen, this is who we are. This is why I'm, I'm opening uh, you know, a legal store and I'm looking for some great, great personalities. Uh, and I definitely sourced there because these are people who you know went to get the higher education on you know, the cannabis industry. Then in New York, we have uh, a cannabis workforce that they've went out 
ahead of, you know, the industry going live and began to give direct training to people in the Canada, to people who wanted to receive or get into the cannabis industry. So we reached out to them and same thing, you know, told them who we are, the type of candidates that we're looking for and asked them to just start sending us some applicants. Um, and then, you know, we reached out to some friends who also were in the industry. So, you know, like, again, like I said, that was our way of casting a wide net and then bringing in some, you know, seeing who we were able to, to, to bring in. Um, at that point, we have some of our current employees at that time who we identified as like great employees and we have a, a general manager and we have our, a butt tender trainer who, you know, have exemplified our our brand and the, you know, who we are as a brand. And we had them to train new staff. And what that does now is, you know, it gives our current employees some extra responsibility and makes them feel more value than the customer in, in our in our company. And it puts them on the traje- trajectory to to grow. And so, you know, we give them more responsibility. They go in and they'll teach the new, train our new bud tenders, our new employees on our environment, what we do and how we do. Um, And in turn, you know, we're able to, we've been able to find like some great, great candidates. I think the most important thing to a successful business is, you know, your front staff, or they are the people that, the first and last people that your customers will encounter coming and leaving the store. And so me personally, a higher train, I feel a high, a highly trained staff is more confident in themselves and which will in turn allow them to be more confident in the product, their product knowledge and talking to, you know, a, a wide ranging customer base. And I think though that in turn will, you know, give, provide the best customer experience that we can, that we set out to, to, to give our customers. And I think, you no, know, that's been you know, the winning recipe in our success so far. So I got to ask about this now. Let's go and wrap things up. Uh, first of all, I want to go and make mention of the website and we'll definitely talk about the product line and all. Dazed.fun, D-A-Z-E-D dot fun. Locations, Holyoke, Massachusetts initially. Union Square Park in New York, uh, 33, New York New Union, 33 Union Square, Union Square West in Manhattan. And you have a new store that's going to be opening up in Monson, Massachusetts, which was previously a strip club, the old mm-hmm. exotic dancers lounge, and now you're going to open up. And I got to hear about this story because so the fact is that store is expected to be opening up around Thanksgiving this year, and you know it's a landmark for people that would understand you know the area. It's like okay, we're taking this spot. What can you tell me about you know where this has opened up and taking this 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 location? I mean, it's obviously it got pressed just off the bat, off the fact that people were saying, "Oh my God, this trip is going to be converted into a cannabis dispensary." Talk about the opportunity going to do this because I saw that the club was closed. The owner put the sign up on, put the sign up for sale on the Facebook Marketplace for twenty thousand dollars. Everybody's looking at this as like, "Oh, this store, this place is open," and now you get to go and take the spot. Right. So. Um, when I learned, when we learned about it, we found out that it had been a long functioning, um, exotic, uh, dance location strip club for, yeah. uh, several years. Um, but unfortunately, like a lot of things during, you know, the COVID pandemic, yeah. the business suffered and ended up closing the doors, uh, which provided an opportunity for us. Uh, one of our associates in the area knew of the location being closed and was able to introduce us to the landowner 
the building owner, you know, for the opportunity. And, uh, you know, it just made sense. You know, we had, uh, we were looking to, obviously looking to expand and they had a need that they had a viable business that you know, went under and they obviously needed to bring some new, new, a new business in. And, you know, it just made sense. It was a great location. Um, uh, it was the best thing about it. It was fully built out and everything in it was pretty much new. So it wasn't a lot of construction that needed to be done. Um, then it was also fun, you know, just a fun thing to say, Hey, you know, look at what it was and look what we're, you know, we're bringing it now. So, you know, to, to, as a throwback in the old to what it has been historically, we decided to keep the stripper pole. So that way, when people come back, they'll still find some nostalgia. <laughs> I love it. No, absolutely. I like that you're starting to keep a little bit of the landmark it is. And honestly, so is the sign still staying out there too? Because I saw that they made a point about, in the story I'm reading from Mass Live, that Roddy Dangerfield used to perform at that club back in the day. The New England Patriots had taken photos in front of the sign of that club. So, like, people know it. It's familiar. There's something about that place. It just has that's a mystique about it. But, um, it, it's interesting that you know that that location i don't know how big of a size it is but like i said you're even going to still kind of keep something you know to commemorate what it was and just say well look we're taking the location it's a good location there are not there are you know situating cities nearby that don't even have cannabis dispensary so you're covering a large swath of people here it's just the location just to be happen to be the right spot Right, right. So yeah, and so we we kept the sign. We still have the sign. We're just trying to figure out how we're going to refashion it now, so that way, you know, it still you know has that that nostalgic feel for people who you know used to frequent that location. Yeah. Um. It, we, we 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 obviously can't leave it outside on the uh, pole like it was before as a street sign, but we're probably going to put it somewhere inside the store, pretty nice. So I would say that anybody who you know used to uh, uh, frequent the Imagine Lantern, come on in. You you know you feel so nostalgic. That's awesome. So you, you got everything is working out really well. So I'm, I'm glad to go and see about that. It's, I mean, really a testament to what you've done. Like, uh, Kishot, I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to me because, like I said, I've been wanting the chance to go ahead and talk to someone that's, you know, it's the epitome of what a legacy operator coming into the space, knowing all that you know, and you figured it out. You, you, you picked the lock, you found the way to go and make the process work for you. You went through all the training. You went through all the processes of understanding the legal business. You're in. You made it. You're here. And where does Days Cannabis go from here? Like, you know, in the next five, ten years, what do you think you look at, you're looking at right now? Do you continue to just continue to see more dispensaries to open up? Other states opening up? What would be optimally what you would want to do next? So optimally, for looking at the next five to ten years, we're looking at having a host of days dispensaries up up and down the east coast uh we have a new initiative that we're actually working on now called our days care foundation which is will be our social equity brand uh arm of our brand um which is coming from a conversation that we wouldn't normally have internally akin to you know, we discussed earlier about how you know there are social equity programs and legal states to allow people uh, a pathway to get in, but they don't actually put, you know, the rubber to the road what's, what's really needed in the form of finances, you know, education and stuff like that. So we recognize that there's a need for that. And what we, you know, we're trying to do is create a, our Days Care Foundation that will can do a host of things like, you know, probably provide some, you know, low cost loans 
um, to uh, up and coming entrepreneurs who may not have other means to find no uh, finance to get their business up off the ground. Uh, uh, we do a lot in the Holyoke area as far as like the uh, boy drives, which we coming up to the holiday seasons now and stuff like that, coat drives. So we continue to do stuff like that. That'll all be like things that we'll, the Days Care Initiative will you know, take care of. Uh, we're hoping, we're looking at a lot of some of the employees that we currently have now who are rising within the ranks of days will also you know, move up and you know, be in like real great regional position with us. So we're looking to, we're looking at no expansion. We ultimately want to be able to have you know, a day's cannabis in every state that's legal. Uh, you have an incredible story, Keyshawn. Thank you. I want much. more people that have been in the same, uh, have gone through the same, uh, what you've gone through. If they've gone through this out, I want legacy operators or potential legacy operators are going to say, listen, you can do it like Keyshawn did. The process is there, you know, we need to get to stop the illicit market because there's a lot of money being left on the table that illegal operations don't need to be taking. When right. you already have the know-how, you were in the space just like they were, or you know, you laid the path for everyone else to come into the space, it's more than right that you come into the space and you thrive. And I want more legacy operators to come into the space. And I hope they follow your path, Keyshawn. I really do. Now, uh, dazed.fund, again, is the website. You know, we've mentioned the locations in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Union Square, soon to Mazda, Massachusetts. And the product line, real quick, if you know, let's take a minute, just talk about what you have in terms of uh, what people can find in the stores and, you know, best way to go ahead and keep in touch with what your team's doing and follow the progress. Absolutely. So we have a large variety of products that we source, uh, bring in for our customer base, anything from uh, your standard um, flour, pre-rolls, edibles, chocolates, gummies. We have... Um, uh, uh, drinks, topicals, tinctures. We have uh, an entire day's uh, uh, mushroom line, legal non-psychedelic mushroom line for health purposes. Uh, we have a great merch uh, brand that we're actually going to do a, a relaunch in Art Basel in uh, December. I just gave you an insider. Miami, yes, yes. Yes. Um, and no, so ultimately we just you know we try to source the best products from our you know the the uh licensed grow operations in new york and in in, in massachusetts so that way our customers can come in to have the best experience and you know consume the best products that are on the market and i would tell people when you go to the website take a look there's a lot of details in there good filtering when it comes to looking at potency for cbd or thc effects strain type and weight in the thc count you can actually see the percentage of thc or CBD that's in each product as well. Very detailed. Take a look at that for yourselves. Days.fun. And I know I'm going to let my management team know that, you know, when you come down to Miami to Art Basel, we want to get you guys, you know, connected. So we'll definitely want to go and do that. Uh, again, I've been here with Keyshawn Warner, co-founder of Days Cannabis. Keyshawn, thank you again for making time for us. Really appreciate you sharing your story. And let's definitely keep in touch and keep following you on your path. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me, Brasco. You can follow the the company itself on Instagram at Dazed Canna, which is D-A-Z-E-D-C-A-N-N-A, all one word. You can also follow myself at Low Key Days, which is L-O underscore K-E-E underscore Days, D-A-Z-E-D. Um, my website, like you said, is Days.fun. And uh, we welcome everybody to come 
check us out. You know, if you have one of the areas in Holyoke or Munson soon to come or New York and Union Square, we would definitely love to have you. Mention that you, you know heard about us on Cannabis Radio. My man Broskin will definitely, definitely, you know, uh offer you and give you the the red carpet treatment, the pink carpet treatment. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Keyshawn, and thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.